I don't know why, but I'm feeling nervous about talking about my faith on this podcast. It's going to be interesting to see how this develops. Welcome to Longleaf Breeze, subsistence farmers using three simple principles, approaching but never reaching subsistence. It's got to be fun while we're doing it, and we don't make all misstatements. And now, Lee and Amanda Borden. Thanks, Adrian, and welcome to our podcast of October 25th, 2012. Our podcast subject today is about how subsistence farming, our practice of doing that, fits in with our faith. We are Christians, and unabashedly so. We are proud to be Christians. Um, But I guess we're acutely aware that other people who are doing what we're doing are not Christians, and many of them have what we regard as an inaccurate view of what it means to be a Christian. Well, we don't know that many of them are not, but we just know that there are plenty of people who don't do this out of faith or don't necessarily call themselves Christians who who are um, subsistence farmers, and plenty of people who are. And um, so we're not making any generalizations there, but the fact of the matter is I try to see my life as somehow coherent and related, and this is a way in which I find it to be extremely interrelated. Um, We try to follow the teachings of Jesus, and I do emphasize try because I know, I'm, I'm acutely aware of the fact that I don't do it as perfectly as I'd like. But um, we have to say that sometimes we're uncomfortable um, around other Christians in terms of <clears throat> the fact that they may see this as more a political thing. Now, granted, we might not, they might not call it that, but if it's tied up with politics or, and the way we would define that is just How do you feel about same-sex marriage? How do you feel about abortion? How do you feel about the role of government in uh, and commerce in the United States of America? We are aware that that many people in the United States assume that all Christians have a particular point of view on those issues. But they don't. They're as diverse as any other group in terms of their political leanings. And I guess I want to get to a more fundamental point that is. To me, Christianity or any religious view, it shouldn't be about who, which humans hold power in this earth. It should be about the ultimate creator and the Trinity. I mean, again, that depends on your own view of um, deity. But in our view, we do believe in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's our view of Christianity. Um, but anyway... To, to go on with this, um, we do feel a lot of common ground with people who are intensely conservative Christians. It's really interesting to, um, to see one's faith as something that transcends those political barriers. Yes, it's not, we, you know, my view of Christianity is not a political stance, but I don't want to let politics get in the way of having a relationship with other Christians. And I have to admit that even this morning as we were building the outline for our podcast today, you helped me to understand that there really is a lot of common ground that we have. And and you and I have, have commented on that, that we have friends whose politics are 
completely <laughs> different from our own who nevertheless resonate with what we are doing and who are very interested in finding out more about it and mm-hmm. they encourage us mm-hmm. in what we're doing. And and we are not, um, you know, offended or anything by what they're doing. And I think a good example, which I'm kind of springing this one on you, but <clears throat> I very much admire the way the Amish approach agriculture. Certainly. But I'm not Amish. That's not my faith. It is a form of Christianity. I won't say, you know, oh, they're a different religion. They're not a different religion. But the point is, I don't practice that particular faith tradition, but I can really resonate with what they're doing in terms of the way they handle God's creation. So maybe that's a good example to throw out there to say, <clears throat> it's it's really not about what you believe. You know, there's no litmus test there. It's about, do we care about our fellow man, about humans, about um, the God's earth? And, and I think that's something we'll get into in a few minutes. But <clears throat> To us, God is not some, um, you know, judgmental king. Yeah, judgmental king sitting on a throne, ready to just lash out at you if you mess up the least little bit. But he, she, which, you know, he, she who is beyond having a sex at all, is an enigmatic mystery that's defined more by love and nurture than by power and judgment. And, um, you, I think more than I do, you think of God or you, you have this nurturing mother feel. I do. My, my uh, image of God has evolved to one that is primarily feminine rather than, than masculine. But the fact of the matter is, again, that's irrelevant because, you know, there is no exactly. sex that's one way or the other. <laughs> technique, if you will, for opening myself to God, to, Im- to imagine God, to image God as mother rather than king. Um, but that's a very personal issue of style. Exactly. That's not how I define my faith. Yeah, it's, it is a personal issue. Um, but one thing, the reason we think this topic fits in so closely with a farm-related one, in case you're wondering, why are these people yeah, talking well, about religion? What does this know? have to do with farming? <laughs> it's because one of the um, impacts to me of having moved into this lifestyle is to become aware on a moment-by-moment basis of how we are connected with God's creations, how we are um, blessed daily by the bounty, really, that he provides. And, um, and that has been fun when you are in the role that we are, where you're outside all the time, you're very much aware of the weather from moment to moment. You're aware of the sun from moment to moment. Um, at least for us, we cannot experience that without regarding it in terms of God. That's right. It's just, um, you can read all the creation stories you want to in the Bible or anywhere else. Take it literally. Don't take it literally. That's irrelevant to me. It's the fact that I live in this creation 24-7. As you pointed out, we're outdoors in it a lot. And it's just hard not to be filled with awe at the beauty of it, at nature's life cycle. Now, here's the, the, the tricky part is, yes, we have 
from time to time on this podcast, complained about pests and weeds and the parts <laughs> of nature that we don't particularly care for. Um, and that's that's just part of it. We have to um, do the best we can to be good stewards of the earth, but we also want to grow our own food and, and combat the forces of nature that get in, that prevent us from doing that effectively. Um, but this whole idea of becoming organic growers also stems from a certain faith, a faith in the fact that creation, well, initially was created perfectly. It was perfect. It was um, not going to be a problem to grow food or have, pick fruit off a tree or whatever and eat it. Um, but the fact of the matter is, again, whatever you believe about the creation story, original sin, that's irrelevant here because we do have evidence that humans have been, you know, to the extent that we have problems, yes, we can't control the weather, I know that, but um, for example, invasive species, uh, climate change, which I don't pull any punches, I believe it is, um, for, uh, the, the evidence just points too strongly from the uh, respectable scientific community that climate change is something that humans have um, started us down that trail. You know, humans have had has have intervened in um, what's happening in the climate of our spaceship Earth here. So, so many of the trials and tribulations we face come from our own doing, and it might not even be intentional. I heard an interesting lecture this past week from. Um, Patrick Cook talking about invasive species in you know plant species and how to deal with them, and he pointed out that you know there are a variety of ways in which these invasive species got here. It's not necessarily some kind of evil. Oh, let's try putting some kudzu in there. Yeah, you know, yes, kudzu was brought over to solve a problem, and it didn't, and it's created bigger <laughs> ones. But it's just because we don't know as humans, we don't. We're not the all-knowing beings. Um, but sometimes, you know, a bird will drop a seed and go from one place to another and and um, you have something spread that you didn't want to spread. Um, but, you know, spraying poison on it isn't, to me, the best answer because then you get caught up in a cycle that isn't one where nature can actually um, adapt in some way. And I think that you and I have discussed in the past the extent to which our faith drives the decision we have made to grow in the way we do. Yes. And in particular <laughs> yours, because you, are, as we've discussed before as well, you come to this from a tree hugger pr perspective, caring for the earth, uh, stepping lightly on God's creation. And my perspective is more, we need to be resilient. We need to prepare for difficult times ahead. But your perspective coming from a faith's basis is very strong. Yeah, I do. I, it, it just feels right when you're in sync, with, in sync with creation and not battling against it. And that's why um, taking natural methods to the extent possible. I mean, I'm not unrealistic about, I try not to be, um, but to the extent possible to engage in these practices in which it you, you bring in, you attract predatory insects that are going to kill the bad guys and that kind of thing, um, rather than spending all your money and time spraying something. Um, that just seems to feel better to me in terms of my view of creation. 
And we have to admit that when we set out to plant a particular kind of flora that we know will change the balance of the insects in the area where we're growing, we are changing that our little part of God's creation to serve our purposes. That's true. But we feel pretty comfortable about doing that. I think that's because we see that as strengthening God's creation rather than tearing apart. Yeah, yeah, especially because I do believe that God wants what's best for his children, and part of that is for us to use our brains to figure out ways that we can feed ourselves. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> so, you know, we within the web of creation and of, you know, the balance of nature, if we can create an environment where we can grow food effectively, um, just seems to be the right thing to do in terms of um, being re effective representatives of God on this earth. And it's interesting that we are having this conversation right now because you and I are coming off a season during which a series of crises caused our food production to decline. Yeah. And as a result, the food we had given away in such abundance last year uh, was, wasn't there. So we no. have not been giving away as much food this year as we did last no, year. No, we're just trying to feed ourselves now because, and, and I think we will, even in spite of everything. Um, as I've mentioned before, I ended up freezing a lot of okra and a lot of peppers. And uh, we've, you know, I froze some lima beans that we, har you know, even, even the meager harvest that we had, we have uh, some of it put away in the freezer. And those there. delicious collards are looking great out there yeah. on bed number 13. Our so I, I think veg. we're well on our way with the fall veg to at least being able to feed ourselves and maybe even being able to give some food away again. Yeah, we hope which so. Which would be great. Well, let's talk in a little more specific terms about what our day-to-day -day faith means for us, uh, specifically, I guess, about our little church in Tallahassee, Episcopal Church of the Epiphany. That's right. Part of being a Christian is to be in community. And um, we found our community there in town in Tallahassee with um, Episcopal Church of the Epiphany. And one of the things that we, a program that was underway pretty much when we joined the church was beans and rice, it was called. Um, and many Episcopal churches in our diocese are actually practicing, using that practice of just giving away food to those who are hungry, those who are in need. Um, and at first, it was it was just bags of beans and bags of rice and maybe a few t canned goods to go along with it. Maybe a, a full-size bag of groceries per month per family. But now... But not anymore. It's taken off. Um, and thanks to some some grant money and the hard work of, a, of several um, parishioners who spearheaded the movement, um, we now have a relationship with the Montgomery Food Bank, where we, whereby we actually um, are able to acquire food from them at and a very low to rate a point in and our give it away. Former model where we might have five people or seven people or eight people a to banner, come on well, a month. And we, at the time we did it, that we thought was such a banner day, it was like twenty or twenty-five. That's right. And now it's very routine for us to serve 40 people or 45 people or, or 50, 50 people. Yeah, uh, 50 plus, yeah. And, um, and that's just very powerful to, to be part of that process, particularly to be there on a, Sunday, a Saturday morning when we are actually giving food away. And we say beans and rice, 
But as you've already pointed out, it's a whole lot more than beans and rice. Yeah, and, they, and these folks can leave with a whole lot more than one bag of groceries. I mean, they exactly. Is, so they, they get what they need. And um, so it makes us feel good and feel that we're doing what God really wants us to do. And, but um, it's not just about giving food away for you and me. There is also comfort in that rich Anglican tradition of common prayer. So much comfort that um, I have become the verger of the Episcopal Church of the Epiphany, meaning that I help the priest uh, make worship a more welcoming experience for everyone. And you're doing a great job. So we really, um, in fact, we have a big event coming up this weekend. Our assistant bishop in our Diocese of Alabama We're is, excited. is coming to... Um, Santosh Murray. Yes. We are looking forward to welcoming him. Yeah, and we're really excited about that. Um, well, let's talk before we have to run out. Of, we have to leave and run out of time about what our version of evangelism is, because that's another word you hear used. in, you know, when they say you're an evangelical or you're evangelizing, that scares a lot of people. But I hope our version isn't scary. <laughs> and I hope not as well. Our version of evangelism begins with the principle that we want to be the hands and feet of Christ, and somehow can clarify for people that not all Christians come with all that conservative baggage. And for, the, for, for people who are conservative, it may not be baggage for them. That's what I'm saying. It's not necessarily a, you know, um, a political thing at all. That's but right. Maybe it'd be better to say liberal or conservative baggage. baggage. Yeah, that, that not all Christians are from the, you know, just as you couldn't say, well, all women wear the same kind of clothes, you know, the same is true of Christians. We come in all shapes, sizes, varieties, and points of view. Um, and, and what we really think is important about the message is the love part. We want to speak about and attempt to live out the part where we show Christ's love in the world. And beans and rice is a great example mm -hmm. of that, where we're doing what we can to care for the least, the last, and the lost. Mm -hmm. And we know that we often fail to meet that standard, but God loves us anyway. You know, he's, it's, there's not anything you can do to separate yourself from the love of Christ and the love of God. So um, I firmly believe that. And even when I mess up and um, walk past somebody who's in need or, you know, whether it's omission or commission type sin, um, and I don't get hung up on that word sin. A lot of people, that, that's another thing that, it may be loaded, but if I see that as just simply being separated from God, yes, there are times I do it, but the good news is I can pick, my, I can pick myself up, and most importantly, God helps pick me up, and I'm ready to chug on down the road a little bit more. Well, I'm not as nervous now. I think we've, I'm, I'm glad we've had a chance to have this conversation, and I feel much more comfortable with the idea of our faith and how it fits in with our farming. Right. Well, we hope you have a great week, and we'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to Longleaf Breeze with Lee and Amanda Borden. You can call the farm at 334-625-8682. Send email to letters at longleafbreeze.com. Our address is P.O. Box 780-446, Tallahassee, Alabama, 36078. Visit us at longleafbreeze.com to learn more about the farm, to browse our archive, and to look over our planting database. You can also read the daily farm log and check in with Lee and Amanda. That's longleafbreeze.com.
Thanks for listening. See you next week.